and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center on a Big Red Monday, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke Lipinski. Wolf, how was your uh, Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. Thank you so much for asking, Luke. How yes. was yours? It was excellent. It was a it was a it was a great weekend all the way around. Until yesterday at like uh, 4.55. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was so incredible. Thursday, I was just walking around. I was just mumbling to myself at the compound. What What are you supposed to do? What are you doing? You're doing nothing. Eat. You're doing it. That was a weird <laughs> sensation in the football season. And yet, man, I loved it for about 48 hours. Thursday and Friday was big time. I even was able to get over the ASU loss to U of A fairly quickly because I'm, you know, at least interested in the Kenny Dillingham hire. We'll get into that later on. The Suns had a couple really good games we're definitely awesome. going to get into. DeAndre Ayton in particular showing up in a big way. But <laughs> we'll start with the disappointment, Wolf. And it was a very disappointing one. We were just on with uh, Bickley and Murata, and they were asking us to rank this loss in terms of the most disappointing of the season. And like I said to them, I still have the two Seattle losses at the top because I thought those were both winnable games. And if you won even one of them, it may have changed the, the course of this season, both especially the first one. It may change the direction of the season for both the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Yeah. So I'm not going to put it up there with either of those two Seattle losses, but the way it went down, it's it's probably number three for me, honestly. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you on that one right there, um, especially that first Seattle game. I thought they were going to go up there and they were going to handle business. I really did believe that. And, and that Hollywood was, got hurt at the end of that, That was too. exactly right. That was the first indicator that things may have been amiss. But yesterday was brutal. It truly was. And the reason why I say that is because I think it was the Arizona Cardinals' best game all around. When you think of offense, defense, and in transition with special teams, I thought it was the best effort of the season, and they lost. Yeah. Two and six now in their last eight games. You could look at yesterday and say, okay, it can't be that disappointing because they were such a long shot to make the playoffs anyway going into that game. But it's what you just said. They came out, they played balanced on offense, they ran the ball well. James Conner, I know he had the fumble, but he ran with authority. He ran for oh. 120 yards. I think it's his most yards rushing as a Cardinal. He was a part of the passing game when he had to be. I thought Kyler was spreading the ball around. I, I'm always a little little nervous when I see DeAndre Hopkins with only four catches because I feel like that's an untapped source of, of yardage. But either way, they were moving the ball and the defense was playing well and the offensive line as beat up as it is and with the distractions they specifically had at the start of this past yeah. week didn't give up a sack all the way to that final two minutes and 19 seconds of the game where everything went wrong. So, yeah, in that sense, to play as well as they did and to come away with another loss is just, it's gut-wrenching at this point. I just want to know how many teams out there actually have run the ball for 181 yards and lost the game. Not I, I mean, that... You have to turn the that ball over. to me, right there, yes, and we'll get into that, of course, but that, to me, is one of the reasons why I'm so bitterly disappointed today. Um, listen, I thought Kyler Murray was back. Um, Kyler was back in the saddle, and I thought he played well. I didn't think he played fantastic. I didn't think he played out of his mind. I thought he played well. The, the last three possessions, to me, yes, it's not all Kyler Murray's fault. It is not. 
those last three three and outs, and then of course you got the ball back with two what fifteen seconds? I think it would no, it was oh, fifteen seconds, end, yeah. and you ran two plays. I don't count that. I'm talking about the last three full possessions, three three and outs, when you needed to go ahead and be able to convert and make a first down or two. It would have been so nice and would have changed the dynamic of the game. They could not do it at the end. I don't put all of that responsibility on Kyler Murray, but um, a large part of it always goes to the quarterback. There's no doubt about that, but I thought he played well. I thought they ran the ball well. James Conner, of course, 100 yards for the first time, 120 yards on 25 carries, averaged almost five yards a carry. It looked exactly like September and October of 2021. It did. It looked like it all over again. And then the defense that was scrapping and had only given up 17 points the entire game until the Chargers' final possession. (laughs) This was hard. This was hard because they played better than I've seen them play as a team at any point this season, and they still lost the game. Here's Kelvin Beecham after the game. He was asked what hurts most about this loss. I think in the most critical moments of the game, not executing um, and not putting ourselves in a position to close the game out. We had two opportunities uh, there in the fourth quarter, I think with four minutes to go, and then again before the two-minute warning, uh, where we had a chance to close the game out offensively, and uh, I think that's what's most disheartening about this. You know, you just said it right there, Wolf. I'm not going to blame those last three drives on Kyler Murray because that's not that's not fair. I mean, he is running behind an offensive line that not played well, considering they're missing 80 percent of their starters that are all on IR now. But that's a whole separate conversation. But I will say this: when you look at the the truly great quarterbacks in this league, and you just rattle off some of them, you know, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Did you say Jalen Hurts? Well, right now, did you say Jalen Hurts well, for the purpose? You just did say Jalen Hurts for the purpose of, of this of this specific sentence? They would have got a first down there. That's I mean, you're not. This is not. Hey, we're at the ten yard line and we got to get in, and the field's tightened up, and it's the red zone. And, you had the whole field. You just had to get ten yards. And so I'm not looking at one play and saying, "Oh, that's Kyler's fault." I'm not even saying it is Kyler's fault. But I'm just saying when he, when he eventually, hopefully, gets to the, the the point of he's the quarterback you're hoping he can be. Sure. Or I would even say for the first two months last season, he, you get a first down there. You find a way to get a first down. You have a quarterback that you're paying a quarter of a billion dollars to that you took number one overall. He has all that talent. Allen, it's amazing that they went three and out, three and out, three and out. I'm not going to look at one drive and say, well, you know, they should. Stuff can happen on one drive. Yeah. But three and out, three and out, three and out. If they get one first down on that last drive, they win. Yeah. If they get two first downs over those last three drives, they probably win. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, once again, uh, Kyler Murray did not finish well, in my opinion, although I thought the offense overall did not finish well. Again, I don't want to just throw the entire burden on Kyler Murray. I don't. Um, but listen, a quarterback, to your point, has got to take responsibility. Just like Kurt Warner always used to say, it's always the quarterback's fault. (laughs) Kurt Warner, (laughs) great beard. It's one of the things I loved about him the most. He would step up in front of the microphone and he'd say, I did not get it done. 
and uh, Carson Palmer as well would do the same thing. And I think this is what Kyler Murray has got to learn. Getting up in front of it and saying, you know what, I've got to be better in that situation. I've got to do my job and find a way to convert. Find a way to move the chains. Find a way. Even if everyone else breaks down somehow, some way, even though it's not fair, the quarterback has got to take responsibility for that. It's not fair, but like you just said, what is it? The quarterback is always wrong. It's like uh, when you work retail, the customer's always right and the quarterback's always wrong. It, yes. it, it's not fair, but if you looked at the offense and you're like, okay, who's one guy that could definitely get them 10 yards? It's Kyler Murray. He has that ability. He just he, he was not able to do it. They were not able to do it on those last three drives. Credit the Chargers, I guess, but we haven't seen the Cardinals in this situation a lot this year where they have the lead and they just have to run yeah. the game out. And that yeah. last one in particular, because at least the previous two, there's still game going on. Maybe you get a first down, but maybe the Chargers get the ball and they, they end up, whatever. But that last one, to get the ball with 219 and to be punting at the two-minute warning. I know. I know. That was brutal. Right that was there. It. it really was. And, uh, you know, once again, um, they had a hard time running the ball. The Chargers were packing it in right there. That would have been a perfect opportunity in that situation, a perfect opportunity to do exactly what the Seattle Seahawks did, where they went ahead with Geno Smith in rundown situation, first and ten, got into a power personnel group, and what did they do? They talked about the boot. They ran the boot. Yeah. And boom, it was wide open because everyone thought they were going to run in that situation, and yet it's still a high percentage play because you can run the ball yourself and go down if you need to, or you can just dink it to the tight end in the flat. It's just one of those things. It's one of the reasons why I I think you always have got to have the full plethora, so to speak, of plays in your playbook. I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking that as I was watching the game because that's almost the payoff for running the ball so effectively all game. Okay, Correct. Here's a free nine-yard yes. play you get to have. Yes. We don't want to cash that in. We're just going to keep trying this. Yeah. And you have a quarterback that could run it better than almost anybody in the league. Coming up next, we're going to take you through all of the biggest plays on yesterday's Cardinals game with Big Red Reacts. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Love you, bro. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. All right, a couple notes to pass along here for you. Suns have promoted James Jones to president of basketball operations and GM. So he's a... he continues to... I don't, there's not really much higher he can climb the ladder with the Suns at this point. Yeah, that's pretty good right there. Well done, James. And uh, Vince sent this over because you asked in that yeah. last segment, Wolf. This is, uh, this is actually from Vince's Twitter account. Sunday versus the Chargers marked the 30th time since they moved to Arizona in 1988 that the Cardinals ran for more than 180 yards in a game. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's only the second time they've lost. <laughs> okay. So there you go. So right it, it, to answer your question. 28 and 2. Is that what you It never happens okay. when you run for 180 yards right, in a game. Right, exactly. 181 yards rushing by the Arizona Cardinals and 120 of those yards from James Conner with 25 carries. And they ran the ball in a north-south kind of way. Oh, my goodness. I was jacked up watching that up in the booth. And yet at the same time, to lose that game, it is the biggest kick in the cradle. 
If you had told me, even with the way things have gone this season at halftime, when the Cardinals were up 17-14, to 14, you could have told me they were going to lose. It was a three-point game. If you had told me they were only going to score seven points in the second half, that I wouldn't have believed. The way they were moving the ball and the way for one of the few times this season they seem to be in control of like, okay, we want to run now, we're going to run. Alright, now we want to pass because we just ran. Okay, now, like They seem to control everything on offense in the first two quarters of the game. Turnovers obviously hurts, and, uh, and I kind of thought that they had forced at least one, if not two turnovers. We can get into that in a little bit, but right now, let's, let's just kind of relive everything with Big Red Reacts. Wolf and Luke. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Pa Casino Resort, where world-class action meets Ford Diamond Splendor. Murray takes the snap. Play action. Setting up in the pocket. Now airing it out. Near side. It's pulled in by Hop at the 45-50 and shoved out of bounds by James in Charger territory at the 46-yard line. A 29-yard gain. 43-yard attempt. It would have been about a 50-yarder had he taken the loss. Snap. Ball is down. Raiders' kick is on the way. And the kick is good. Three minutes into the second quarter. 10-0 card. Second and three for the Chargers at their 44. Two receivers to the right of Herbert, who again is under center. Takes the snap. Play action again. Herbert throws over the middle. Caught by Palmer in Cardinal territory at the 40. Bubble the ball. It's loose, but recovered, it looks like, by the Chargers at the 38-yard line. Michael Bandy came in there late for L.A., but they may have taken it away from him. Trayvon Mullins under the pile. He forced the fumble. Did he rip it away from Bandy, who came in late and tried to recover it? Maybe a French uppercut underneath that pile. Cardinals have the ball. Bandy does not. The Cardinals do. It was Trayvon Mullen in there for the injured Marco Wilson who's got it. It is a fumble recovered by the defense. It's Arizona's ball. First down. Timeout on the field. Ball was coming out. The ruling on the field has been changed to a fumble recovered by the offense, number 83. It'll be Los Angeles' ball. First and ten. Okay. Please set the game clock to 12 minutes, please. Allen in motion right to left. Snap to Herbert. Going to throw to Allen left side. Caught for a touchdown. Keenan Allen's first touchdown of the season. Only 11 catches on the year coming in because of injuries. He's back and comes through to get the Chargers on the board with 8.51 to go in the half. 10-6 Arizona. Snap to Kyler. And he's back to throw left side. Throws a deep ball left side. And it's intercepted at the 42-yard line by Derwin James. Snap to Herbert, drops back to pass, blitz coming, Herbert steps away from it to his left, sidearms it downfield, caught at the 10, far side by Carter, into the end zone for the touchdown. Boy, Justin Herbert makes an incredible play that time, and the Chargers take the lead, 13-10 with 4.28 to go in the half. Snap to Kyler, back to throw, now backing up, moving to his left, going to tuck and run at the 5, and Murray into the end zone, touchdown! Again, Kyler Murray using his legs to escape the pocket, and the Cardinals retake the lead with 12 seconds to go in the first half. Ball on the near hash mark, snap, spot, kick from Prater is up, has plenty of leg, and the kick is no good, he missed it. Cameron Dicker on for a 26-yard field goal try to tie the game. Snap, spot, kick is up, 
And the kick is good. We are tied. Snap to Murray. Drops back to pass. Looks right. Throws short right. Pumped by Connor. And he dives into the end zone for a touchdown. He broke a tackle at the two and then dove for Painter. And the Cardinals are back in front. 23-17. Shotgun snap to Herbert. Straight drop back. Steps up in the pocket. Fires left side. And a diving interception made by Zayvon Collins at the 45. Gets up and runs to the 40 to the 35 and tackled there. Zayvon Collins with a huge play and the Cardinals in business now already leading by seven. After further review it's an incomplete pass. Herbert takes the snap, play fake, boot to the right, Herbert being chased, throw right, caught by Eckler, he hits the pylon, touchdown. He hit the pylon as he was getting tackled by Isaiah Simmons with 12 seconds left. It is a touchdown because the ball hit the pylon in possession of Eckler and now an extra point away from tying the game. Herbert waiting. Takes the shotgun snap, back to throw, fires to the right, caught by Everett for two points in the end zone. Snap to Kyler, drops back to throw with two seconds left. Now no time left. Murray directing traffic, standing there, launches it over the middle, and it's knocked down and complete, and the game is over. And the Cardinals lose 25-24 to the Chargers. You know, Wolf, putting ourselves through that again and listening to it, a couple things stand out, okay? Yeah. One, this is the smaller thing that, that may not have impacted the game, but the Dennis Gardeck injury where the Cardinals had to burn a timeout there at the end when Philadelphia, or not Philadelphia, it was yes. reminiscent of the Philadelphia game when the Chargers had the ball, much like the Cardinals had to burn the timeout. Remember when Jalen Thompson got hurt at the end of the Philadelphia game when the Eagles had the ball? That's just, whatever. I mean, that's just bad luck. Uh, that, that's things not going your way, and when it rains, it pours. But the other thing there... The two turnovers that the Cardinals forced, I'm not going to sit here and say they were both definitively turnovers, Yeah, but they were both called turnovers on the field. Yes. You know, one was called a fumble recovered by the Cardinals, and one was called an interception by the Cardinals. And you go back and look, and at best, it's like 51-49 the other way. It's got to be like 100 nothing to overturn That's what it. I thought. That's what I thought as well. It, it had to be conclusive. And the Zayvon Collins interception to me, was just outrageous. I, I thought that was the definition of not being conclusive. It was inconclusive, and yet they overturned that call, in my opinion. That drove me absolutely nuts. Um, the other thing, just listening to it once again, it was a 0-0 game, Ron Wolfley reporting, and suddenly it was 10 nothing. The Arizona Cardinals took the lead. Um, three times they took the lead in this game. It was 14-10, Chargers, and they came back, and they took the lead 17-14 right before the half right there. Then it was 17 17- 17, all tied up once again. And they took the lead 24-17. Three different times the Cardinals offense gave them a lead in this game. And um, man, I, I thought that was it. Dave Pash and I both at that point looked at each other and said, you know what? Man, they're going to win this game. They're going to yeah. win this game because their offense is clicking. They're going to win this game because their defense is balling out. They're playing hard. Somehow, some way, they're going to find a way to win this game in the end. And guess what? It was just the opposite. If you are I'm speaking to the optimistic, the eternal optimists among the Cardinals fans right now, if you came into this game I'm yesterday listening. and you're <laughs> so I'm speaking to you, Wolf, and, and I'm sure there's a few others. They clearly have not quit on this season because of what you just said. They kept coming back in this game. Now, that was just such a gut-wrenching, brutal loss going into the bye week. I don't know what that does to their mental makeup coming out of it. 
But if you set aside the stuff that makes everybody angry right now, if you just set, set all that aside and just look at the simple fact that they've had the injuries they've had and they did not give up in that game yesterday, every time they fell behind, they, they did come back. Um, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, though, honestly, because they ended up losing by a point. I mean, it's good that they didn't quit on the season. It's good they didn't quit when they let as a 10 nothing lead slip away. Yeah, as a former player, that's all I can think of. Don't you dare but quit. It, but don't it does you, happen. Don't you dare quit on me. Yeah. Don't they you didn't. dare. I'm not going to quit on you ever. I will never quit on you. You're going to have to bury me before I'll do that. Don't you quit on me. You would like to see them be rewarded with a win, though, for doing that. You know what I mean? I, I don't. I, at some point, the season is is just weighing so heavily on everybody. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What exactly swung yesterday's game into a loss for the Cardinals? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Just watching one of the TVs in here in the uh, Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center studio, Wolf, and they were they were debating, hey, has, has Tua, has he finally closed the gap with Patrick Mahomes for league MVP? Because yeah. Tua's a good story this year. Sure, all oh, fantastic. He's still 10 touchdowns and 1,000 yards behind Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so, so the answer not. is... No. Yeah. Interesting. Mahomes is having an absurd Love year. Tua, though. Love the fact that he's doing well, especially after that concussion. Yeah, yeah. And the other stat that you and I were talking about during the break, the 49ers haven't given up a point in the last four second halves. So that's all I need to hear. Defense, defense, defense. In a pass-happy, score-happy NFL, defense still wins. To the game yesterday, we kind of got into this, but I want to play some uh, some clips from the players about those three and outs. The three three and outs basically to end the game. Like you said, they had two more plays on that last drive, but at that point you're, you're trying to get 40 yards up the field and basically 10 seconds, not even, because you <laughs> you had no timeouts to kick the field goal and set up. So the three three-and-outs that spanned, what was it, three minutes and 43 seconds, that's how much the, the Cardinals' last three real drives took off the clock. Oh. They were up 24-17 going into all three of those drives. So you're trying to, on, on some level, kill clock anyway. It took a total of 343, nine plays, 16 yards. Hollywood Brown, uh, after the game, talked about the three three-and-outs. Uh, just not executing. Um, we execute. That was all too. And Kyler Murray said they uh, shouldn't even have even been in that situation at the very end of the game. Yes, yeah, shouldn't even been in that situation. Uh, whole game, pretty much like you said, kind of kind of had what we wanted. Um, guys, our four minute offense execution was uh, lost us the game. You know, defense. I don't think they should have been in that position. Uh, we had three chances, three drives to put it away, and didn't. You know, and that's a. That's, that's pretty much the name of the game right there, I feel like. That is, man. I mean, that was it right there. They The Cardinals played so well offensively through three quarters. Defensively, I thought they played well the entire game until the last Chargers possession. I thought they played so well defensively the entire game. Had given up 17 points until the last Charger possession. 
And we all know what happened on that one right there. But offensively, Well, that, man, that last possession, I, I couldn't help but think that Jalen Ramsey quote we played a few weeks ago where it was like, hey, great job, defense. We're going to need you to turn around and get right back out there on the field yeah, and do it again. Right. That's what it felt like. Right. And yet the offense through three quarters played, I think, the best they've played all season long and looked the best that they've looked all season long with, of course, having Hollywood back. And there was D-Hop as well out on the field. We'll talk more about that specifically later. James Conner was rolling. There was balance. Kyler Murray looked good. And then they all fell apart in the fourth quarter. When it mattered the most, they couldn't execute. And I would agree with what Hollywood said. Execute. Execution. It's not about a magic play that you're going to draw up. It's not. It's about going out and running the plays that you have run all game long that have succeeded because you executed and you did your job. I'm sorry. As a former player, I will never accept the bull about it's the play and not the player. No, you're wrong. It's the player and not the play. Especially that last drive that is the one that really stands out to me because you got the ball with 219 and your defense had come up with the stop. And you, okay, 219. Yes, the Chargers have their timeouts and yes, there's a two minute warning, but realistically, one first down basically ends the game. Maybe, maybe if you just get one first down on the first play, but then go three and out, the Chargers are going to get the ball with like 20 seconds, maybe. Uh, and remember, they still had to score a touchdown. So that last one in particular, it's, it's not like they ran some double reverse or some flea flicker or some like crazy screen pass. I mean, they, they just, if anything, I guess maybe they got too conservative, but you're, you're just trying to get a first down there to win the game. That, that to me is 100% execution. Get the first down. Kyler took that sack, and the sack is probably better than him throwing it away in that, that one case because it's still eating some clock or at least a timeout. But how often does Kyler Murray get away from that and get you 12 yards? Typically, he gets away from that and gets you 12 yards, and then the yeah. game's basically over. Yeah, you know, I want to go to the penultimate possession for the Arizona Cardinals, the second-to-last possession of this game, um, because that, to me, was the one where you'd love to have seen them go ahead and line up and and have a package of plays, a true four-minute offense, so to speak, but have a package of plays where suddenly you are going to attack the line of scrimmage and you are going to have maybe some boots and some waggles. I know I continue to talk about this. But well, it would have really, helped yesterday. This is this is a re- this is one of the reasons why I think it is so important to develop the bootleg and the waggle part of the game for the Cardinals to get Kyler Murray out on the perimeter, get him out on the edge, give him the option to be able to just run the ball if that's what it is, even if it's a gain of nothing, but be able to run the ball or just a high percentage dink to a tight end who slams down on the end man and then goes out into the flat or maybe comes all the way across the formation and out into the flat. It's so difficult to defend that. Um, it's, it's, it's something you would have loved to have seen. And again, I, I hate to bring this up, but it's the truth. When the Seattle Seahawks played at State Farm Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals, they were in that exact same situation, in the same end zone, as a matter of fact, in the exact same situation at State Farm Stadium. And man, what did they do? They came out and that was the bootleg Geno Smith. And bam, there goes Fant down the side 
sideline. Remember that? Because yeah, yeah, I remember everybody, Vance losing his mind. Everybody yeah. thought they were going to run the ball. Well, I would go one step further. I don't love going for it on fourth down in my own territory early in the game. As I've said a million times before, what's the payoff? You get a first down. It's not like you're winning the game right there. And the, and the trade-off is you might put yourself in a real tough spot. But whatever. If that's your mentality as a team, if that's part of your identity to be aggressive, okay. But in that situation, I would much rather see what you're talking about, where Kyler fakes a handoff and rolls right and is able to just throw a quick little four-yard pass, as opposed to it feels like way too many times this season. And I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's Kyler. I don't know if that's just what's happening. So many times this season when the Cardinals need a play, it feels like it's Kyler throwing a fade off his back foot, which is not a high percentage play. Yeah. I mean, when it works, it's an amazing catch by like sure. Rondale Moore or DeAndre Hopkins, but there's got to be an easier way to get a couple yards. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one right there again. Um, that fourth down, yeah, that's at some point in time, you got to be able to line up and convert a more traditional fourth down. But you know what? Honestly, um, man, it was so disappointing watching it. I thought the offense overall 54% on third down. They outgained the Chargers 366 to 311. They ran the ball for 181 yards and averaged 1.4 one and a half more yards per play. I just yeah, they should have won the game. They should have won should've... the game. There's there's no way around it. They should have won that game. Do you know a high school student with great character deserving of a $10,000 scholarship? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. Just text character to 62620 and share their story. That's character to 62620. When we come back, we'll shift gears because ASU has found their next head football coach. So what's your first impression of the Kenny Dillingham hire? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I gotta be honest. I'm a little excited about this segment right here. Why's that, Luke? Because ASU, I feel like, for the first time in uh, three years, is at least doing something to start to try to move forward. I mean, the last two years have felt like, well, the NCAA is investigating us, so I guess we'll just sit here and rot away. That's what it's felt like. Yes. And finally, on Sunday, and we don't need to talk about the game on Friday. Who cares about that? That's old news now, right? Yes. Uh, but finally, they uh, they go out there and they, they hire Kenny Dillingham. He was uh, emphatic and emotional in his, his first press conference as ASU head coach, which that's great and all, but... Like, I need to see actual production on the field. Herm was about as good of a talker as you could ever get, right? And and that that didn't result in a whole lot of good things. But to me, before we even get into the details of this hire, just the simple fact that ASU is now starting to try to move forward. I can't remember the last time it felt like this. You play to win the game. We're trying to move forward. I really, I really don't remember that. No, I'm with you on that one right there. Um, it does feel like this is a breath of fresh air right now. And it's amazing because I think Kenny Dillingham, of course, um, this is a local product, Basinonians, that knows everything about Phoenix, Arizona, everything about the state of Arizona. And I love the fact that um, his wife is also somebody who went to ASU, yeah. a Sun Devil, right? I mean, I, I love that. This is truly a family affair right here, and this is exactly the kind of commitment and energy I think this program needs. 
Here's Kenny Dillingham yesterday saying what Wolf basically just said. This is his dream job. When you talk about a person and a family that's rooted here, that's me. Right? And my, fa- my, my whole family's up here. My wife, Bree, mom, dad, sister, brother, brother-in-law who coaches high school here. My little son, Kent, my, my father, and uh, I don't know where my, Kent is, but he's over there. But there he is, father-in-law, mother-in-law. There he is, holding him up. But I mean that, I mean that and sorry I'm emotional, but this is special. This place can be special, and it is special. We're going to hire people who believe in it. We're going to put our hearts into it, right? And we're going to maximize every drop that we can get out of it, right? And this is my dream job. Wow, right there. Did you see that, man? The passion and the emotion. This matters. This means something to Kenny Dillingham. And that's one of the reasons why, man, I am so jacked up. It's more than just a paycheck. It is. You can tell. He's being totally legit. It's more than just a paycheck. This is about a program and being proud of a program. I think at this point, right now with the way things are, not just here, but the landscape around college football, this is about the only hire you could make, realistically. I've told you before, I feel like, and I'm not one of those like, oh, you got to bring in an ASU guy. I've never cared about that in the past. But right now, I think your only path out of this is to get a guy that wants to be here. Now, hopefully, he's good, right? I mean, hopefully, yes. he was good in his role at Oregon, yes. but hopefully, he's been good at pretty much every role he's had. Hopefully, he is good as a college head coach, but the pushback in the past has always been, well, if he gets good, he's going to want to leave. Yeah, maybe, but that sounds to me like a guy that wants to be at ASU, and um, Wolf, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's not great around ASU football yes, right now. You're right. If you want to be at ASU right now, I'm guessing you'll still want to be here in five or six years if the program really is going in the right direction. And I think that's your only chance to compete because you either, right now with the, the NILs and the transfer portals, you either have the national powerhouses who have traditionally been that, which ASU isn't, or you have these schools that are just loaded with NIL money, which ASU isn't right now. Yes. So your best chance is to get recruits that come here because they actually want to play for your coach, not because they want to be in the sunshine, and because they will want to stay with the coach the next year if they play well. That's your only way out of this. Yeah, man. Let's see. Kenny Dillingham. I like Kenny Dillingham for so many different reasons. Uh, number one, I'm going to start with the fact that he's from here. I'm going to start with the fact that he was raised here. I'm going to start with the fact that he went to Chandler High School. Am I right on that? Chandler High School? Am I remembering remembering that? Chaparral. Chaparral High School. See, I'm so glad you said that right there. I'm so glad, though, that once again, this is a local product. This is somebody that totally understands the dynamic of Phoenix, Arizona, of Tucson, the dynamic of Flagstaff, the entire entire state of Arizona. He's already contacting all the coaches. And the fact that he can recruit, and I know that he can recruit. This is a guy that was down at the SEC, baby. They don't hire coaches down there who aren't good recruiters. Yeah, they don't hand out jobs for fun. They do not do it. 32 years old. He's young. He's got all of the energy. I love the fact that he understands what the SEC is all about. Because that is a conference that is unto itself, as we all know, in regard to college football. 
There are many lessons, many things Kenny Dillingham has learned from being in the SEC. There are many things as well that Kenny Dillingham has learned from being up in Oregon. Yes, even though it was a year being up there, a program that has the NIL kind of money that Oregon does. The way that they're going to have to build this NIL program around Kenny Dillingham and ASU. They're talking about what is the catchphrase they have going on right now? What are they talking about? They're, they're talking about, once again, unlocking the power of Arizona and for ASU fans to rally around the program once again. I just, at this point, Maybe it doesn't work. I mean, that's entirely a possibility. I definitely have gotten pushback from people being like, well, yeah, I mean, you're going to get excited about every new coaching hire. No. <laughs> I did the show. I did a two-hour show by myself, and I shouldn't say by myself because we just took callers for two hours the night that it was clear they were hiring Herm Edwards, and ASU fans were not excited about that hire at all. I don't remember ASU fans being real excited about the Todd Graham hire. Now, it's yeah, not like the fans I was always excited. know best. I was excited about the Herm Edwards hire. I was really excited because I thought he was totally going to change the program, that it was going to be perfect. Thought he was going to come in here and actually know how to recruit kids from Southern California. Guess what? He did. There was just one big problem, is and it's to this day for me, it's the biggest disappointment of the whole Herm Edwards era was the fact that he did not take a hands-on approach to his team and coaching his team. And that is something I never saw happen. Well, I feel like Kenny Dillingham will. And so what I would say is, yes, this could not end up ultimately working. He's got to prove it as a head coach. But, man, this is finally you playing to your strengths as a program. And I know I know the program's down right now, and it's not like I suddenly think they're going to be 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two next year. But instead of trying to reinvent the wheel like they did with Herm, or instead of hiring a guy that's been around college football, you know, like Dennis Erickson, right? Right? It was like his 50th stop, it felt like. And he had some good years, but he also didn't discipline his players at all. I, I just This is a different kind of hire in the sense of you went out and got a guy that has a pretty good pedigree, considering how young he is, that has very strong ties to the uh, the, the area. And, and I, I have heard over the weekend he was already contacting a bunch of, of the high school coaches uh, around here. You have that... This is your way out of this. That's that's all I could think during that entire press conference. Yes, he was passionate during the press conference. Yes, he was emotional. Yes, he said a lot of great things that a lot of people are fired up about. Maybe I'm a little... I don't want to say jaded, but I'm just a little more cautious now after seeing. I mean, every coach that gets hired comes in and says how great of a job they're going to do. What was Herm? They're going to. He's on the train, right? That was that was his big thing. Dude. I'm on the train. Wow, that was that was spot on. Yes, okay, this feels a little bit. Uh, it feels a little bit different. But the biggest thing to me is if this does start to work, I don't think he's just going to bolt in three years. I really don't. And I think recruits are going to come here wanting to play for him, not just money. You're still going to have to fix the NIL, though. Yeah, he said this. He said, "I truly believe the team." will be built around the state of Arizona, and all Sun Devils will be able to rally behind and be proud of it. And I think this is going to be really, really important to the program, once again, that Kenny Dillingham gets a lot of ASU fans that's kind of wandered away in the Herm Edwards era, and especially since the NCAA. A lot of fans just kind of drifted away to get those fans and bring them back in here, get those 
donors as well. I can't tell you how many ASU fans I talked to leading up to the ASU U of A game that were like, I mean, I want U of A to lose. That's basically what it was. There wasn't any, most of this season, it wasn't like, yeah, I'm really fired up for the game. Like, you'll go to the game, right? Because it's fun. It's college football to be there. But what you said about fans drifting, that's the perfect way to describe this season in particular of just like, yeah, ASU's got a game. It's, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'll watch it if I can. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's sort of been the mentality. That shouldn't be the mentality. That, that's not just a three and nine record. That was the, just the lack of passion or direction that the program has had now for a couple years. All right, we come back, back to the Cardinals. It is a big red Monday. Kyler Murray said the defense did their job yesterday. Do you agree? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.